Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out the Toronto Today podcast for Monday, May 16th. A really busy weekend, a heavy weekend as well uh, with the shooting in Buffalo. We address that, among other issues, uh, with a couple different guests over the course of the show. This one hits really hard because we think of Buffalo as friends, neighbors. It's not quite a suburb. It's not quite Buffalo, Canada. Uh, It's distinctly American when we visit there, but been to upstate New York so many hundreds of times that uh, this one, this one, hit me in the in the gut a little more hard uh, than usual per se. So we get to that. few other issues on the show as well. Hopefully, hopefully uh, we can brighten your day and keep you informed. We preview uh, the debate ahead tonight uh, with uh, the Ontario uh, leaders, and we'll have a lot of that on the show on tomorrow's show. So here we go. Toronto Today starts now. Um, there are more than enough occasions where uh, this, this incident happens and uh, it, it's – it's awful what happened in Buffalo. I started to get wind of it around dinner time on uh, Saturday evening that uh, uh, an 18-year-old man had walked into a grocery store uh, in Buffalo in a heavily uh, black-populated neighborhood, and uh, he's dressed for war. No other way to put it. It's body armor on. He's got three weapons, and then there's the rest of it. I mean, the human toll is the most important thing, but then there is the rest of it. It's a manifesto that's online. Uh, he's bought into this, uh, you know, great replacement theory that has been, uh, trumpeted, if you will, by even mainstream broadcasters. And I'll call them that like Tucker Carlson and, and in other places online, but, um, beyond the nuts and bolts of what looks like an open and shut case for just a mass murdering maniacal homicide, and we just went through a four-year anniversary, by the way, of uh, of the, the the incel van murders, Alec Manassian uh, driving down a street and mowing people down, looking specifically for women, but um, but hitting some men in the first place. We've got to start asking more questions about uh, the genesis of this, and I'm going to start with the gun, and then I'm going to get to the uh, other stuff. The gun is the most powerful symbol in America. But this isn't all about guns. And I'm not sure that, that this is, you know, the fourth most significant reason why there's people dead in a Buffalo grocery store mass murder. Um, the, gun is, is the, it, it, the gun is more powerful, a symbol of America. What do, you, what do you get told the symbols of America are when you're growing up? You think about baseball and apple pie. Chevrolet used that in an ad. So you don't have to think about Chevrolet. You can think about Ford or GM or, uh, or even a, a foreign car maker. Of course you can cars, the auto industry. There's a lot of American Americana in just, you know, buying a new car feels very almost American that you're doing. It feels a lot more American than European. And given we live in a country where we, we sort of feel like we're a little bit of both Canada is unique that way. I always explain to people who have no basis of knowledge for what Canada is, that it's, it's a little bit like uh, it's got a European vibe to it, the parliamentary system and whatnot. But we're very American. We're very influenced by American culture. And we're going to talk about this today. And I know that this resonates with you, the listener, uh, because men, women uh, who consider Buffalo almost a Canadian suburb, we know it really well. There are neighbors. There are friends. Uh, We only I, I always make this point. Do you remember when it was being considered that Buffalo's NFL team would be purchased by Larry Tannenbaum and, yes, John Bon Jovi. And there would be a a consortium group that would kind of steal the bills and bring them to Toronto. And though you might have wanted an NFL football team here, you didn't want their NFL football team. Nobody wanted that. 
Nobody really wanted to do that to uh, to the great people of upstate New York and Buffalo. So they have a home with us in our hearts. They have a kinship with us. And we're going to talk about this more than this was in, uh, you know, obviously Billings, Montana. There was a shooting, obviously, in California um, um, of a uh, at a church. And uh, it's a 60 year old Asian man that seems to have committed this. We won't talk about that nearly as much, but not for the reasons that you might think, not just based on race. But I'm going there with race in just a minute. The gun in America is not just a mere tool, a bit of technology. Gary Willis, Gary Wills writes this in the New York Review, and this landed for me yesterday. The gun's an object of reverence. Devotion to it precludes interruption with the sacrifices it entails. Like most gods, it does what it will, and it cannot be questioned. Its acolytes think it's capable of only good things. It guarantees life and safety and freedom. It even guarantees law. Law grows from it. So then how can law question it? And he's right about that. There's a gun culture in the United States that doesn't exist here. I've seen a lot of people write, don't be surprised if this happens here next. It's less likely. It's far less likely. We had a mass murderer running around Nova Scotia with what seemed like a less than competent, and if not less than competent, less than informative law enforcement force to counterbalance that to inform the public. There's a mass murderer driving around, killing people at random, and he's dressed like a cop, and he's driving in what looks like a cop car. Let's make you aware of this. We get Amber Alerts at 3 in the morning, and I'm not saying we shouldn't for, um, you know, for, for someone taking a kid, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. But can we up the ante when there's a homicidal maniac dressed as a cop and do the same thing for everybody in that province and let them know? I would think that we could. So the gun is an issue here. There's no doubt about that. And it's a conversation I think that's worth having. But there's other conversations to have about men. And there's other conversations to have about white men. And this is going to sound like, coming from a white man, a, uh, I, I, that I'm just going to kill my own kind here, if you will. But I'm not. I'm going to explain that we have to do something and we have to start having proper conversations about the anger white men feel. This young man, string him up. Like I wish the death penalty was involved. I'm not, I'm not exonerating him from the accountability of his actions. Far from it. I want the stiffest sentence imaginable. I never want him to see the light of day again. I'm a little disappointed we have to go through the charade of a trial with him. And many have made the case, if it, Greg, if it were not a white guy, he'd be dead already. Well, you might be right about that. But remember, a man drove a car uh, through a parade in Wisconsin. A black man did. And, uh, and we don't talk about him. And we don't talk about what was wrong with him. Was he radicalized? What was he angry about? We don't ask those questions. We just This was painted as almost an accident uh, by the media for a long, long time. And I reject that also. There's massive challenges with our boys growing up. I have two of them, so I'm invested. My parents would have been invested in me a fair bit. Andrew Yang, the former presidential contender, got on stage at, the, uh, at a Democratic uh, debate when he was attempting to become the nominee that Joe Biden would eventually become to run against Donald Trump. And he talked about uh, meeting a young man who was radicalized, who now helps others not be radicalized. But I thought this was really, really significant here. Listen to this audio. I talked to an anti-hate activist named Christian Picciolini, who told me about how he was radicalized uh, over a 10-year period 
He said he was a lonely 14-year-old and that he was reached out to by a hate group and he wound up joining it for a decade. Now he's out and he's helping uh, convert people out of those hate groups and back into the rest of society. But what he told me was that if anyone had reached out to him when he was that hurt, broken 14-year-old boy, he would have gone with them. He said if it had been a coach, I would have gone with him. If it had been a mentor or teacher, I would have gone with them. But instead, it was a hate group. There's more kids growing up without influence. There's more kids growing up without the traditional nuclear family. And I think that still matters at the end of the day. And I don't care who the two parents are. I don't care if it's two men. I don't care if it's two women. I don't care about that. But there's a lot more kids growing up without dads. And when they grow up with dads, sometimes the dads are really busy. Got to keep the family above the waterline. Got to take on extra jobs. Got to freelance. I look in my own mirror a fair bit and I'm I'm. I'm asking myself for two young boys, two two teenage boys, am I there enough? And my dad was always there for me, and there were always mentors for me, always mentors with sports and education and the like. Yang goes on to point out this isn't the case as much anymore, and he's right. So what we have to do is we have to get into the roots of our communities and create paths forward for men in particular who right now are falling through the cracks. And when you look at gun violence in this country, 96 plus percent of the shooters we're talking about are young boys and young men. We have to, as a country, start finding ways to turn our boys into healthy, strong young men who do not hate, but instead feel like they have paths forward in today's economy. So what are we going to do about this? I mean, this is a real problem. You are getting that this is a problem, that this is not a, uh, you know, a a, a sort of a lone wolf thing. This is systemic. We're going to talk about other things that are quote unquote systemic. We better talk about this. The share of kids, this is from David Otter that Andrew Yang retweeted over the weekend. The share of kids born to unmarried mothers more than doubled between 1980 and 2014 from 18 to 40 percent. Single moms outnumber fathers more than four to one. Four to one. The quote, we see a decline in marriage, but a rise in the fraction of births that are disadvantaged. We have to fix this. We have to figure out a way to make this work. Of course, this kid should be, uh, this monster should be, uh, you know, accountable for his actions. And we have to acknowledge all of that stuff. Dr. Scott Galloway uh, is well known for talking about university admissions and men falling through the cracks. They are, we are, and we're not having enough conversations about it. 40% of university admissions in 2021 were men. 40, almost 60 were women. It was 59.5 to 40.5. So at the end of the day, something's got to change about this. And men drop out at a more frequent basis. He makes this point in a conversation with Michael Smirkanish last December. Simple. The products become more expensive uh, and it's not any better. Uh, We haven't at our elite universities. We're so drunk on luxury. We haven't expanded enrollments. So it's like, well, I'm going to get rejected for something that I might have to pay a Mercedes price for a Hyundai. And also, quite frankly, the opportunities for men at that age are greater than they are for women. You can walk into a construction site in Florida, you can turn on an app, cop, fireman, trade job, which at the age of 18, if you can make 100 to 200 bucks a day, that feels like real cabbage. So the opportunities are greater for men at that age. And it feels like, quite frankly, the, our role models, whether it's Donald Trump or Elon Musk, sort of sort of disparage or have disdain for college grads. So anti-intellectualism, the product's gotten more expensive, and there are more opportunities for men at the age of 18. 
then there's finding somebody that can put you in the right direction, a life partner. That's even a problem based on university. Dr. Uh, Dr. Galloway continues. The bottom line is we on the left like to think that men and women are exactly the same. They aren't. They're different, including in their mating preferences. And the reality is college graduate women aren't interested in mating with men who don't have college degrees. If you look at the most unstable, violent societies in the world, they all have one thing in common. They have young, depressed men who aren't attaching to work, aren't attaching to school, and aren't attaching to relationships. And our inability to provide the resources and encourage men to go to college is going to result in, in us producing too many of the most dangerous cohort in the world. Like the kid on Saturday afternoon. OK, lost boys need strong men. We have a lot of lost boys right now. And I'll tell you, if I vanish from the face of the earth from my kids today, if I decided that's it, if I'm the character in uh, uh, in Bruce Springsteen's Hungry Heart and I go out for a whatever, a quarter milk and I never come back. I know those kids suffer the next five or six years. I've already given them a decade and a half of my life. The truth is really hard to tell on this. Boys are in big trouble. I see it every day. I see it every single day. We got to give our kids role models. We got to give our boys heroes. They have little or no guidance. And I know, I know, waving the flag and going, what about us white men? Does not land well with everybody. But you want more of this on Saturday or less? We're going to have a serious conversation about this or not. What we saw Friday uh, in Ottawa on two fronts. So here's what happened. Students at a high school, Catholic high school, um, had uh, a dress code blitz that certainly seemed from all accounts to target females more than males. Um, and they felt they needed to say something about it, protested. Um, some said they felt humiliated, degraded. Uh, so they protested. I think they walked out of school on Friday and all of a sudden the cops were called. The cops apparently gave out some tickets. Uh, they grabbed one kid who didn't want to be grabbed and uh, pushed him up against the police car. There was a moment when the cop I watched the video five times, put his hand on the kid's neck to push him right up against the cop car. Uh, so there's two factors here. There's the, there's what the school did and how police responded after the school's protest. I will say for his part, and let's see where this goes, uh, the director of education, Mark Bertrand, uh, with the Catholic board in this area, uh, he doesn't seem happy in the least. Called the uh, dress code blitz unacceptable. Uh, said measuring kids' clothes, making uh, female students bend over, which did happen, to check whether their shorts were too short. Um, you hope Bertrand uh, raises a little bit of hell here, but staff are often protected um, by a process, by their union. We'll see where this one goes. Uh, Nick Dumoulin is, uh, is someone who went to this particular school. His sister goes to this school now, um, and he posted some of the video that we all saw and that television networks used on Friday, and Nick joins Toronto today now. Nick, it's great to have you on. Thanks for making the time for this. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. I, how you felt uh, was how I felt, um, just feeling... Uh, furious and uh disgusted and you you should feel it more than me as you note because you went to the school and your sister was part of this yeah you know as an older brother you kind of uh always want to look forward uh, to, to being there for your little sister and um after she told me what happened and hearing uh the stories from other people as well um i couldn't help but be super angry especially since you know i did attend this school in the past and uh, I, I know that they've done this to people. So 
um, I, I just think it's important to get the message out and make sure um, that, that some people have an understanding of what they do at that school. This school is Beatrice de Loge. Do I, am I pronouncing that right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, um, and when did you first, was your sister your first point of contact saying, uh, big brother, you won't believe this is happening, but it's happening right now? Yeah. My mother actually called me. Uh, she, she was saying that uh, uh, my little sister had just had uh, a pretty tough time at school. She explained the situation um, that, you know, she was pretty shaken, uh, shaken up from the situation. And so I, I called her myself. I, I asked her what happened and um, she, she explained to me. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much what started it. But um, I, I just want to echo a few things. I, I know there's a lot of girls who, um, when they were dress coded, uh, they were told uh, to, to leave their phones at school. Um, so they can go home and change and ensure that they would come back to pick their phones as like a safety deposit. Um, thankfully, my sister still had her phone, but uh, I can't imagine for the girls who had to leave their phones there and walk, you know, however far it may be just just to change. So, yeah, that's a pri- that's a privacy them. issue. That's a security issue. And it's one thing. Look, if you're on your phone, you're being disruptive to the class. I think we'd all get it. Put it away until the end of the class and you can have it at the end. But that's like that that goes above and beyond any sort of, you know, regulation um, when it comes to to increasing learning. That's that's a security issue to leave your phone at, at school and go home. Oh, correct. And and you, you can't even call your parents. You know what, what happens if you live? You're locked you know, out. Right? Walk, right. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't, yeah, I just think the whole situation was mishandled. And uh, frankly, uh, uh it's just it's just ridiculous to see this in 2022 at the end of the day. What was the school like when you attended there and what years did you attend, Nick? Uh, I probably got there 2013, I believe, in, in seventh grade. Um, I, I stayed there until I, I graduated uh, high school. But um, when I got there, um, I had just switched from another high school, which was public school. Um, and I got there and I remembered that they had a pretty... Uh, um, they had a pretty strict uh, uh, set of rules, I guess. And I, I remember many girls and um, sometimes myself and others just, just seeing the principal or, or the teachers coming in, in, in the schoolyard with a ruler, um, measuring some shorts, telling them it's too short. Um, and I mean, we're kids, you know, back then in, in seventh and eighth grade, um, you know, we're young and, and to have an adult just, just come in and, do that to us. I, I think, you know, you don't have a voice or you don't realize what's happening back then, but looking back at it now, especially with the events that transpired the other day, uh, you can't help just, just to realize how, how messed up it is. Are you hopeful because of the, the attention this got the fact you and I are having the conversation now, but this, this video went everywhere. It went down into the States uh, on a couple news broadcasts on Friday, um, that something changes here. This this just ends up being, we often overuse the word systemic, but this seems like it's been passed from teacher to teacher, principal to principal, and this is a problem with this school. Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people who put a, a lot of pressure on, on the school board, um, and I, I did see the superintendent come out with mm-hmm. uh, his statement to say that, you know, they were going to revise uh, everything, but at the end of the day, I, I just think the point of everything is, is to just 
you know, I, just don't sexualize young women. Don't, don't, you know, put them in these situations where you, you'll embarrass them in front of their friends. Um, there's just, you know, better ways to, to kind of go about it. And if that's their plan, you know, going forward is, is to just make sure that they're more respectful. Um, and hopefully, you know, they can set a precedent for other schools. And uh, I, I'm just glad that people are, are tuning in and, and it's getting some attention because um, it's it's a problem that that should, you know, is overdue at this point. Just to reset, Nick Dumoulin's our guest on Toronto today. He uh, went to Beastrice de Loge School in Orleans, uh, Ontario, just outside of Ottawa. And uh, there was a dress code blitz that students were upset by, started to protest. Then there's the police angle. When you saw uh, the footage of of the cops, again, we could make the case that only three tickets were given out. OK, but just cops grabbing kids, handcuffing them. Um, it's I, you know, I, I hesitated. And I know people made the point, didn't they, Nick, that we just had a four week occupation of the city of Ottawa and there wasn't as much strong arming there for the most part of those four weeks as we saw in an hour of 16 and 17 year olds protesting a dress code issue by the side of the road with signs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh I've, I've heard that one uh, all week now. Um, yeah. It, it's crazy. I mean, you're, you're looking at kids who are just, you know, protesting in, in a quiet, small neighborhood where, where most people are at work anyway. So um, I, I don't know why the police were there. Um, and seeing the video of the events that happened, I mean, you can't help but but feel like it was at least mishandled. You, you had three police officers on, on an underage boy just pinning him to the car because he's there protesting with his friends. Um, I, I know the school board uh, clarified he wasn't a student from Bidet, but that doesn't change the fact that he's still... He can go anywhere and protest. He, he, you can't arrest him for not being a, a, a student. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, they, they said he was trespassing, but he was on public property on, on the sidewalk. So um, I think they'll just say whatever they, they need to say. Um, and I mean, people are, are disappointed. They haven't really had the best public image since the protest. And uh, they're certainly not helping their case uh, uh, since then. Well, you were a, a real leader saying this and, and speaking up and, and not being afraid to do so and standing up for a family member. I like that. So thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, and if we get a chance to update the story, uh, I'd love to have you back on. Thanks for making the time and getting up early for me. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You bet I will. Nick Dumoulin. Pleased to welcome on uh, to the show our, our next guest. She runs the Hair Spot in uh, North York, uh, Palma, and she loves it. And it's great to you, you, you're listed as world renowned. I'm not world renowned in anything. That's got to be amazing to be world renowned <laughs> at something. Is that true? Is that <laughs> fake news? Are you, are you really world renowned? <laughs> Isn't that incredible? It like, is. I'm I am just a girl from Dufferin and Glencairn, you know, making my parents proud. Um, it is an absolute honor to have that sort of title behind your name. Um, and honestly, I'm really not here to rewrite the book, but I'm here to continue the legacy. Let's make it happen. Let's make it. Okay. So it's amazing because I think most people wonder, are them, are my parents ever really proud of me? Like, I feel like I need a walk on and a cameo in a movie or something. And they'll be like, oh, we see you there. Like, like a radio show is not enough for them. It never has been. Oh, stop it. Come <laughs> on. This, this moment right now for me is I'm checking off a, a point on my bucket list to be on the radio with you. And I can definitely tell you your parents are proud. Okay. Your grandparents are proud. My parents are proud. My grandparents are proud. This is 
This is something that we're giving an opportunity for people who, who feel like they can't be heard. That's so true. We're doing that for us. So you need to put that title next to your name. Oh boy. World renowned <laughs> Greg Brady has never been a phrase that's been uh, uttered. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Um, okay. This is going to, this is going to be a rough one though. Let's take the mood down a little bit. Yeah. Um, we were just yeah. talking about Buffalo. Um, Shiva and I were, and the shooting on Saturday and, uh, and I'm, I'm so sick of it and I'm tired of it. And I, it's not just because I don't think, uh, that this is just, I don't think this is just about guns. We we've seen, you know, people run, run people over in our province with vans. We've seen yeah. bombs get blown off. But like I, I just I worry about the radicalization of young men. Many of these men are white. I'll say it. And I said it earlier. I'm not afraid to say it. We've got a problem here. And I don't know the solution. But until we start talking about the solution, we played a clip from Andrew Yang Palma where he noted he talked to a guy that had been radicalized previously, got got walked off the ledge and came kind of back to society. But he said, I didn't have a role model. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a, a dad in the house. And it was a it was a big factor because he just people just want to belong to something and it's it's a problem yes absolutely you hit the nail on the head i have a 14 year old son i'm a single mom and i'm very proud mm -hmm. of him but we do not speak enough about the mental health of young men and I'm saying that from a woman's perspective. It is not spoken of often enough within our own families. In our household, I teach my son love. That is our faith, love. Love one another, respect one another. No matter your race, no matter your religion, no matter your sexual orientation. And if we can just get to the root of the problem, Maybe, maybe we can help these young men. And I don't want to just single out the young men. You know, yes, women too. But this primarily is when we talk about mass shootings, it's primarily men. Right. right? If men. I told you, if I told you, Palma, that it was an 18 year old woman that did this on Saturday, you'd be like, are you freaking kidding? And you'd want to know right. how, why, where right. I don't ask those questions about because because I it's a guy. It's a it's a young white male. And I shrug my shoulders. <laughs> And I'm just devastated and sad and 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 overcome. But I don't have any questions about it. If it was a woman, we'd ask questions. Right. We would. We would automatically go postpartum. You know, was there abuse sure. in, in the household? Was she mentally abused, physically abused? But we don't do that enough about young men, white men. And it is over and over again being said and done. Enough is enough. The black community, they have been speaking loud and very, very clear that if you don't know, please ask us. We have the answers if you are uncertain about racism and what our culture has gone through. So it is, you know, not necessary, please. Guns down. The answers, if you have questions, are there. And my condolences go out to those families and friends of all those loved ones that they've lost. My heart is just broken for those families. Enough is enough. It's unbelievable. Uh, Palma and She Loves It, our guest on uh, on 640 Toronto and Toronto Today. And, and I bring that up. I, I'm raising two teenage boys of my own, and I, uh, I, I think about it all the time, and I think, Am I there for them enough? Am I checking in on them enough? Because I can't tell yet. I, I, the little I know, being more than halfway through my life, hopefully not two thirds of the way through my life, but that's another story. <laughs> is that is it? There's a stigma with oh, you got it. 
Be a man is still a phrase that we use. I get I get accidentally stuck into saying it a couple times a year, and then I roll my eyes. I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, handle things on your own. Uh, you know, be a bull in a china shop. And I can't tell if if that's just so conditioned or whether that's part of our DNA. Men and women are different. Of course they are. But we've got to drop this stigmatization that says um, I I can handle it on my own or I'm willing to reach out to I'm willing to accept help from somebody I shouldn't accept help from just because they make me feel a part of things. And we're talking about hate and we're talking about white supremacy. We're talking about all these awful radicalized scenarios. Absolutely. We we have to. Put aside how we feel in a moment when we speak about our children. We need to look at our children and be like, we were once there. What did we need at that age? Especially young teenage boys. What did what does my son need? And I have to ask myself that question. And if I don't really know the answer, I need to speak up. I need to ask him. What do you need? Is there something that you may be confused about? I sort of like to have these topics of conversations over maybe a bowl of ice cream, you know, like (laughs) just make it light and easy because it it can be a very heavy topic of conversation. And if we're going to say, oh, you know, be strong like a man, then you should call every woman in this world a man because we are strong. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm thinking about your scenario is um, I'm going to steal from uh, Malcolm Glidewell and thin slice a little bit because that's that's the ability to you know find patterns and events and kind of judge people really quickly you you've got to wear both hats right you say you're a single mom so you can't let anything fall through the cracks and I would even make the case sometimes I look at my wife and I'm like did did I let this go did you let this go how did we not check in on our kids homework for four days how did we not check in on a bullying incident at school and it can happen in two parent households that you just yeah. assume the other person's got it and they don't and trouble happens at that point on you you can't afford to let that happen because of who you are and where you are yeah absolutely that's why it's so important like i said over the bowl of ice cream you know that moment that you're just finally sitting down phones put away and just be like here's the hot topic kid let's talk and I always tell my son, if there is something, no matter what it is, even if you think it's scary for me, because that's him, he's fearful for me. He doesn't want to hurt me. He doesn't want to scare me. I say to him, put that emotion aside and say what you have to say. If you need help, I'm here to help you. There is no judgment. Parents need to look at their children, not only as an extension of who they are, but as an individual. What does this young person need? Because we are raising our future. Yeah. And my advice, you know, six years from now, because I remember it well, like it, you could go, go to school, get a lot of female friends. It's harder to do when you're in sixth grade, like boys hang out together, girls hang out together. There's some cross pollination, but you learn. I learned so much from female friends. Sometimes girlfriends get jealous. I will tell you that, Palma, like when you're 2021, 20, <laughs> it's uh it's, yes. uh, you know, leverage is a thing. But either way, um, I got to leave it here. Uh, but I, I want to have more conversations with you. I feel like my, the average haircut for me, by the way, is about nine minutes. So you and I wouldn't get into much. We get into more on the radio than we do if I came to see you at, uh, at the hair spot. I'll tell you that. I tell you here at the hair spot, we talk about all of it under nine minutes. We try to pack in all the conversations and I give all that hair therapy right here at the hair spot. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate your time. Palma, we'll do it again. I really like getting into this uh, uh, today and, and drilling down on one really, really important topic, not just for parents, but for uh, for all men and women. Thank you for doing this. We'll do it again. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Uh, Palma, and she loves it, our guest on 640 Toronto. 
Thanks for listening to Toronto Today. We're back with a live show tomorrow. Again, we'll have a lot of recap of the leaders' debate tonight, which you can hear on 640 Toronto at 630 tonight on Monday night. And uh, we'll be back with a live show on uh, 640toronto.com and on the Radio Player Canada app.